by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome to N17 Women, the only podcast about Tottenham Hotspur women's team. My name's Rachel, I'm going to be your host today, and I am, as usual, joined by Sean, Caroline and Abby. How are you all doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Somewhat cold here in the UK, but other than that, we're doing all right. I've got another one of my little throat tickles but otherwise doing okay yeah I'd say I'm doing about the same as Olga Atenin's knee which is to say not as bad as I could be but also not ideal and as Abby hinted at we got a lot of news today so in a way it's a good thing that we waited till late in the week to record this I think we're going to start with chatting about some of that news before we get to last Sunday's game on the positive side, we found out that Evelina Sumanum's had her contract renewed until June 2026. I have to say, this is one I've been really waiting for. She's just been so consistent and so important to us since she joined in January 2022. And we knew her contract was up in the summer, but the club didn't make an announcement about exercising the one-year extension or anything else. And with her improvement year on year, it's looked like one that would be really important to lock down because at some point, some of a club would come knocking. Interestingly, when he talked about her today, Robert Villaham was very positive. He talked about building the team around her in the future. And he also said that she doesn't know it herself, but her potential is enormous. If we can push her to be even more brave and play forward, she can be the best number six in this league. So are you as happy as me? What do you think about Evelina committing to the club for another couple of years? I mean, it really makes me feel like we know ball, right? Because we've been saying this for like a year and a half or two now. We've been banging the Evelina drum. And it's really nice to hear that people at the club agree with us. Anyway, I'm just, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I will say that at the very beginning of her tenure at Spurs, I was a little less sure about her. But I think over like, I don't know, maybe the last calendar year or so, she's really just shown... For one thing, how much she offers in the attack, which I think is really important. And the obviously the chemistry that she has with Olga Atenin in the midfield has been really important this season so far. Um, we're obviously going to have to do without that for a little while. But yeah, I think she's a very important player to sort of the spine of the squad. So really excited that she's going to be sticking around for a few more years. Yeah, it's great news, isn't it? And uh, I think she's quite a versatile player as well. I mean, we've seen obviously at the moment those defensive midfield duties that she's fulfilling so well this season but we saw last season that she can play in a more more attacking role and go for it as well and we've enjoyed both of those versions of Evelina Uh, so great to have that those options and Robert pushing for her to you know bring out the best almost bring those attacking options to her defensive game as well so yeah just uh, really great and we've seen this season already you know she's played uh, more minutes than most and and is really doing well and is starting to get noticed so it is good that she's signed a new contract because we don't want her stolen away her and Olga have you know formed a really good partnership and looking forward to that developing yeah like you say she's one of four players who played every minute this season and she actually you know and some of the stats apps you know she's come out as like player of the match for a couple of games so far this season as well so she has been doing really well both by, you know, what we see of her, but also if you look at the statistics underlying that. Robert said that she might be one of the the best number six in the league. What are the heights do you think she could reach? Are you there with him? Well, I do think 
she's very important to her national team as well. So I think that could kind of be something that is really memorable about her career down the line is helping the Finnish program to gain a little more prestige. But within Spurs, like I said, I think she's really one of those core members of the squad. And we continue to see her grow every season, it seems like. So I, I have to agree with Robert, like Sky kind of is the limit for her right now. I mean, I'm going to agree with Robert, given that he sees her every day in training and sees a lot more of her than we do. I certainly think she's a great player for us. And as a young player, she's obviously got room to grow and still getting used to the league and the way in which, you know, as, as we develop as a team, hopefully, yeah. I mean, as I say, happy to agree with Robert and look forward to seeing that development of her. Yeah, and it's nice to, like, I feel that she just, her development has been so good. Like, she just keeps adding things to her game. Like, I think I remember at one point we were saying we wish her passing was more consistent, and then it was. And then we were like, oh, we wish she would add some, like, final product and attacking to her game, and she did. And, yeah, so it's it's just really nice to see, because, like, when you get a young player who has a lot of promise, like, you don't always see them at those things. And so... Yeah, like she's shown that she has the ability to to progress and add new parts for game as well. And I, I'm really glad that she's going to do it with us. And I, I have to agree that the sky's the limit. Yeah, it's really exciting, isn't it? And she is a player who came when she was young and she's just about to be a sort of prime age player, which is the other thing we've always talked about, not having many of at Spurs. And she's grown with us. So that is really exciting and a sign of our progress. I want to kind of think about what that means in terms of what the club's doing. And Ben pointed out on Twitter that the news means that come next season, we'll still have most of the squad under contract. And that includes Ash Neville, Luana Bulla, Molly Bartrip, Olga Artinen, Celine Bizet, Beth England, Martha Thomas, Avelina Sumanum, Jess Naz, Rhea Percival, Rosella Ryan and Baravotikova, who are all going to be still with us under contract next season. We'll have options on Angara James, Amy Turner, Drew Spence and Ellie Brazil, and just nine players who will be out of contract. That's two loanees, Grace Clinton and um, Lin Yan Zhang, plus Becky Spencer, Asmita Ayle, Romana Petzelberger, Kit Graham, Gracie Pierce, Eleanor Heaps, and Shalina Zadorsky. Are you optimistic about this and the way the club is now doing its business so that we seem to have locked down a lot of our most core players already? Yeah, I think looking at that list, you know, I'm I'm glad that we have an option for Drew Spence because I think she's definitely someone I would want to see at least stay one more year because I think she brings a lot of, you know, experience with her as well. And out of the out of contract players at the end of this season, you know, the Lonies, <laughs> that's a little out of our control. But I think the only, you know, few players that I would kind of be concerned about losing would be obviously Becky Spencer, unless we see a little bit more from Barbara. Uh, the rest of this season, I don't know that I feel comfortable like her being the the solution if if Becky were to leave. And Asmita, you know, continues to be like a big question mark for me, just because I think we have a lot of hope in her her prospects, but she's not getting the minutes. And Kit Graham is another one that I think we would want to keep around. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a sign of how the women's game is improving, isn't it? That players are getting contracts of some length and not just being on one-year contracts it does improve the situation and having that tied down early on in the season for a player like Evelina is is excellent you know gives her faith in what she's doing gives her courage to be building with the team and hopefully those are the four with options we'll be looking at I mean and I'm sure Ellie Brazil having come back from injury that will be 
you know, part of what she's thinking about and making an impact to have an effect on that. I think, as we've said, Drew Spence is showing that she's still got game and is still a useful player for us. And has James is, is becoming the player that we thought we were signing and doing really well for us. And Amy Turner put in a, a spin this season, this game to show us that she's still there as well. I think they're obviously trying hard on the Clinton side of it. She's a low knee, but she's been out doing community work this week at a local um, educational place. So they're obviously trying to uh, convince her that Spurs is the place. I don't think you often see low knees doing that kind of thing. I, I agree, Becky. We need to tie Becky down soon, I think, because that's just important for us. And she seems to be enjoying her football now as well, which is great. So hopefully we will. But yeah, gradually we'll be tying those players down. Hopefully, hopefully this is the start of a stream of contracts that will be signed as we approach the, the winter break. I'm really, I've been sitting here struggling to think of whether we've had another young player like that kind of come through and like maybe be about to like make it big who we've tied down. I mean, the obvious one is Ash Neville, but, but like the last few years, it's kind of been a lingering question in the back of my mind of like, when this starts happening, are we just going to like be losing players left and right to bigger teams? Like what's going to be happening and so, like, it is a sign of the policy in general that I think is good. And, yeah, I just hope to see more of it. It would be cool. Less positively, and as Abby hinted about earlier, we also got news today and an update on Olga Artanen, who was injured during last weekend's game. And um, we found out that she has suffered a medial collateral ligament, MCL, injury. The good news Part of it is that it's not an ACL, and so it requires less recovery. In terms of timelines, Villaham has said that he hopes she'd be on the grass in the new year. So she'll miss all of our pre-Christmas games. There's then a little bit of a break in January. So it's not clear how likely she is going to be back for our first game of the new year, given that on the grass has meant a plethora of different things. Obviously, we all wish the best for Olga and hope she recovers quickly, just for her well-being. But what do you think this is going to mean for Spurs? I mean, I think it comes at the best time possible, in a sense, because we have got the winter break coming up. So being out for a couple of months really only means being out for a month in terms of actual playing time. So from that perspective, it's it's good news. But obviously, the other side of the coin is that it comes when we've got a couple of big games coming up that we were hoping to get some um, results from and, and start to make those impacts on the top four. So it's a, it's a kind of double-edged sword, isn't it? But uh, also a good opportunity for some of the other players to step up. We know there have been some players who have been itching to get those starts. So time for them to show why they deserve them. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate that we've got that big game coming up at the main stadium and fans aren't going to get to see Olga in action in that game. You know, that's disappointing. But I agree with Sean. There, There's definitely players who can fill that role temporarily. And we have some flexibility within the squad in terms of like already we've seen some players kind of playing positions that are not necessarily their preferred position. So I think Robert at least has a little bit of leeway. And we still, this is only going to be our second, like, kind of long-term injury that's that's ongoing, um, assuming, of course, you know, there were a couple of minor concerns to other players from this game, but I think those are not going to be long-term issues. But we're also about to get Beth England back um, sooner rather than later, it sounds like now. So I, I don't feel like the situation is too bleak. 
Of course, if this had been an ACL, I'd be speaking very differently, but we could be thankful it's not going to be a season ending injury for Olga. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, it's really disappointing. I feel like it was kind of crickets from the rest of the league when this happened. And I think that just goes to show like nobody has even noticed how good she is yet other than us. And I was like, I think I texted someone. I was like, they don't even know about her yet. Like nobody, everyone should be way more upset, upset about this, like losing like a great player in the league to a knee injury. On the other hand, I think like it's a really good opportunity for us to learn something about Villaham as a manager. Like it's an interesting problem for him to solve. One of his key players goes down, like it's going to inform how we think about a lot of this stuff going forward. And then the last thing I'll add is like, yeah, MCL is just hugely better than ACL for a variety of reasons. Like it gets way more blood flow. So that's why surgery is not usually required. Like it'll usually heal on its own. Additionally, like the long-term prospects of an MCL injury are like so much better than ACL. Like ACL has really high incidence of re-injury. Like your quad might never fire the same again. MCL is like you're you're almost you're you're it's a really good chance you're gonna get back to yourself. So in terms of her long-term career, it's just really, really good news. And yeah, for the next few months, like whatever, man. Like <laughs> I just hope she gets well and like I'll be thinking of her blood flow to the inside part of her knee. And that's why you're here, Abby. So we get the proper technical understandings of the differences between an ACL and an MCL and feel all the better for it. Just constantly cosplaying as somebody who knows anything about sports science. You know, infinitely more than I do. So I'm very impressed. We kind of all started touching on this a little bit, but what would you do to compensate for our absence? And I guess the two obvious ones that we've seen already in games is either Rhea coming in or... Angered playing in that position and Azmita coming in at right back. Is one of those the preferable one for you or have you got another genius solution that would fix it? I mean, we actually saw, and we'll get to this, but we did see Azmita coming in at centre midfield in this last game for a few minutes, just for a really left field one. I think I'd like to see Rhea playing in that role to begin with, at least. We haven't really seen too much of her yet this season and we know that before her injury, this was a really good position for her. And we know that she'll be all over the place doing everything that she can. So I'd really like to see her starting in that position and see see how it goes. Um, and then we've got other options, uh, you know, to fall back on if we need to. But yeah, small game time for Rhea and uh, and just to see, because as I say, that is the role that really she was excelling at before her injury. So I think that's the best shout. Same. I think Rhea fits the kind of Olga Atanen profile more than any other player in the squad. And the good thing is that we do have Angerad there, you know, perhaps if we need to make a shift midway through a game. Like, for example, I'm not entirely certain if Rhea, her fitness is is still 90-minute worthy at this point in her career. So if it's a case of bringing Angerad in, you know, someone who, who really is a very durable player, and then having Esmita subbing in for that right fullback spot, I feel like I'd be pretty comfortable with either of those scenarios, but I think Rhea gets the start for me. Yeah, and I just would really like to see Rhea get her shot and succeed as well. Okay, so let's hope we get a little glimpse of Rhea on Sunday. I will say, though, the Azmita midfield thing is intriguing to me. I don't know that I would want to see it, you know, from the start of a game, but if, if we could get a little glimpse of that, you know, later on, if we're in a situation where we have kind of a comfortable lead, it, it's intriguing because I think, she does have a pretty interesting passing range that I think 
could be helpful with Olga out. I think, you know, I'm not so sure about if she would get the balance of the the offense and defense right. We would have to see, but it would be interesting. It would be really funny, like as a bit, like if he just made Asmita into a center mid, that would, I will say that would be really, really funny. And I I am already queuing up in my head that like butterfly meme of like, is, is, is this a, is this a center mid? So at well, least hey, Angered is a fullback now, so anything can happen, right? Exactly. They've just changed bodies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, there was some football that happened last weekend. So let's now turn to that. Spurs were at home for a second week in a row. And for the second week in a row, we drew one all with a team from Liverpool. This time it was against Liverpool the week before, obviously, Everton. The lineup was basically unchanged, except Drew, we found out, had got a knock in training and was replaced by Kit Graham, who made her first start. That meant we saw Becky Spencer in goal, Ash, Molly, Luana and Angarad in defence, Evelina and Olga as the double pivot, with Grace, Kit and Celine in front of them, and Martha lining up as a striker. Any thoughts on the lineup? I guess not very surprising. Well, I was disappointed to not see Drew anywhere in the squad. Little moment of concern there until we found out that, it, you know, it's not going to be a long-term issue just two to three weeks out. But at the same time, I feel good with Kit Graham starting, you know, and I think she did do a, a really good job in this game. So no complaints really about that lineup. Yeah, pleased to see get, Kit get the start. I know she's been hankering for that. And I think she had some really good moments in this game. So yeah, sad to see Drew out, but as a, again a good opportunity to, for some other players to step up and show what they can do yeah and like 10 is one of those positions where we're just like swimming in depth kind of so yeah I was also happy to to see it be Kit who got the nod there I thought like you know that was something we hadn't seen yet out of the starting lineup at least so yeah so once the game got underway, it was not the most beautiful to look at with lots of hard fought battles in midfield and numerous lost possessions on both sides. But then Celine came along and put Spurs ahead with a superb solo goal in which she won the ball in our half and ran the length of the pitch. Martha made a nice run to cross her path and take defenders out of her way, which gave Celine a little bit more space on the right of the box. She still had work to do and she managed to get a beautiful shot away. So I guess the question is, how great was that goal? Well, it was definitely something new from her, I feel like, because um, I don't I don't typically see her carrying the ball quite that long. And there's actually a really great clip that the club put out where she kind of talks through her thinking as this goal was happening. And it was kind of hilarious because she kept referring to, I can't remember which Liverpool player it was that she won the ball off of, but she was like, I took her body. Uh, that was cracking me up. <laughs> But, you know, it's it's true. She did, you know, use her physicality to win the ball in our half. And her run was just really smart, you know, obviously helped with Martha's decoy run that was really clever. So I think that it also went to show the impact that Martha can have on the game, even when she's not, you know, getting the ball in the back of the net herself. So just a lot of things to be really happy about with this goal. I thought that, like, yeah, from the moment that the goal started, straight up until the end it, it was just um like a sequence of of really good decision making like I thought that it was so Celine and really funny that like she looks at this ball that a Liverpool player a Liverpool player Taylor Hines has won and it's like yeah that's a 50-50 ball I think that like really perfectly encapsulates her mentality 
just like the confidence knowing that that she could come away with the ball. Yeah. And then like just the sequence of of decisions was really positive to see. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I guess the other thing is Martha's run because it's like if it was it was good either way. Like it, on one hand, like it could have allowed Celine to, to like the space to take a shot. But if the defenders had done something different, then she was kind of perfectly positioned to get a through ball. So yeah, really smart like opening up of options there from from both of them. And good to see Celine thinking on her feet like that. Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Martha is suddenly being noticed after all her goals, and therefore has the power to remove a couple of defenders so and whilst that might be frustrating for her that she's not getting the chances because everybody else is paying attention to her it does open up options everywhere else and and that is to her credit as much as anything else I have to confess I thought when Celine deviated to the side I was a bit like maybe she's missed her chance but she took the shot and uh, it was there was enough on it to beat the keeper so yeah really great a bit of confidence from her and hopefully will encourage her to do some more things like that just you know driving with that ball there's she had so much space in that midfield area uh, and yeah hopefully it's the start of a few more goals not only, not least because the club seemed to love Celine's song and uh, that means we crack it out a little bit more often. Indeed and actually just to pick up on that point up until this point Celine has been struggling a little bit to either score or create assists and it's something that Robert Villaham has commented on in sort of press conferences and talking about her so do we think this is going to kickstart more goal involvements from her? I mean, I think the confidence factor is going to be improved, isn't it? And and the way the club have kind of then gone on to highlight it and, you know, do that feature on it and things. I think all of those things will give her confidence and that, you know, that is, is likely to lead to some more things. I mean, we know she can do it. It's just when you're out on the wing, it's maybe a bit more difficult, but with a bit of freedom that we know Robert is giving to the, the team, as well as those instructions, as Evelina said in her interview, you know, she knows what she's supposed to do, but she also has a bit of freedom. Hopefully, yeah, the more players that can get on the score sheet, get a bit of confidence, the more, you know, goal scoring is a confidence business. And it looked like she had an immediate boost to her confidence because she nearly did get on the score sheet again, you know, hitting the crossbar. And honestly, that ball could have gone anywhere and easily become an own goal. So I'm I'm happy to just see her taking more shots. Not all of them are going to come off, but, you know, the ones that do, those are the ones that count. Yeah, and a little bit of, like, under-the-radar comment in, in that same video we've been talking about is she did say that, like, timing of the shots was something they've been working on in training. And I think that's really good to see because something that she has like very obviously struggled with in the past it's like we know she has all the tools it's just the like putting them together in that way so the fact that you know she's super young and they're working on it it this is like really promising yeah as you mentioned not only did Celine have that you know crossbar hitting bouncing up and down ball but there were a bunch of other chances in the half mostly for Spurs but nothing came off what do you think the issues were why couldn't we find the second which have maybe would have killed the game off a little bit more I think well we know Liverpool have been a good side and started the season well they're well organized and you know against a team like that it's always going to be difficult to score we have seen that we can score and put goals away it hasn't been a problem for us in the you know in the games recently just these last two that it's become problematic and you're going to hit that point that sometime in the season we are creating the chances they are going close to the goal I think so long as it doesn't become a a regular feature I think at the moment it's just two good defensive sides that we've played recently and and we haven't managed to secure that and Martha 
has been faced with the curse of the goal of the player of the month. And hopefully that ends soon, right? Well, and on the positive side, Liverpool had some pretty horrid finishing in this half too. <laughs> there were some chances for them that I was astounded did not go in. So um, at least at least the curse was was going both ways. Thank the heavens for a two-way curse. Um, so at halftime, Luana Bula was substituted off. It looked like she had some kind of strain, but it didn't look massively serious. And Amy Turner then came on to play the second half for Spurs. For Liverpool, there was also a substitution just before halftime uh, when Shanice van der Sanden came on for Enderby and immediately looked like she was causing problems. And in the second half, more generally, Liverpool did seem to get stronger and had probably the better chances. Their goal eventually came on the 60th minute as a result of them winning the ball in midfield, passing out wide to the right to substitute Daniels, who then sent in a great cross to Sophie Haug, who is like Celine, a Norwegian. So it was a day of Norwegian scorers. She'd got into a position between Amy Turner and Angra James and was able to head home with neither of Amy nor has sufficiently balanced to really compete for the header at that point. Is that just rustiness? Amy hasn't played for a while? Or is something else going on with respect to how we are picking up players in the box? I don't know that it's necessarily rustiness because I don't think she typically wins those aerial duels to begin with. I think for me, the bigger issue on this goal was not just the positioning of Amy and Engrad, but also the fact that Daniels was able to get that cross off in so much space. Like I felt like Grace Clinton probably should have been tracking back to help Ash on that flank. I I mean, in the replay, you can see her kind of (laughs) darting into the area, you know, realizing what's happened. But I think this is just going to come with having a mixture of young players, not always understanding their defensive role. And then also Amy, to be fair to her, she had a pretty good start to the half and I was feeling like everything was going to be okay. But that was kind of a little bit of a reminder of kind of the the weaker side of her game. Yeah, she certainly has not excelled in the air in the past. I felt like last year, every time something happened, we were always like, and Amy Turner was right there. But maybe that's unfair of me because at this time there were like three of them right there. But I also like I have to wonder, like something you said, Rachel, about like none of them were were ready to jump. It It kind of seems like that's always the case. And I'm wondering if it's like, a technical failing on our part that's persisted over years of like people are just not their body shape is not correct to start jumping at the right time which you know I actually think that's a really easy problem to fix if you identify it but at this point I like I think it's something we have to consider and then there's of course also like it kind of felt like none of the players like really thought that a free kick taken from an offside in Liverpool's own defensive third was a scoring opportunity. And I'm sure, like, I'm sure that will be a wake-up call on that front because it's like, you know, like, the league is getting better and better all the time. Like, everything can be a scoring opportunity. Like, you you can't have multiple players switching off like that. So, I don't know. Same old, same old, but also, like, maybe some learning opportunities for this one. I, I think that's a good point, though, Abby, because it did kind of feel like everybody was switched off and out of position. And that was what led to Amy and Angrad kind of canceling each other out by arriving to mark the same player at the same time and kind of getting in each other's way. I feel like we saw a lot of that last season too, including instances where 
a defender would get in the way of the keeper and it was just a mess. So I think definitely positioning is something that there's still room for improvement on across the whole squad. I'm not even sure if they were getting in the way though, because what was interesting is when I I kept on watching it back and trying to work out what was going on, because it was kind of in the corner of the video when you're re-watching it. And they were both arriving, but they were both still moving. And that was why they weren't, as I was saying, like they weren't, that you can't jump from moving. Like they were moving in directions and in a way that would then, they had to change direction to jump and they just really didn't get their body shape right. And so it's a nice call. Maybe there is something they can do. Hopefully somebody somewhere knows what it is because yeah, they're not doing it at the moment. Sorry, Shah, do you want to come in? I was just going to say on uh, on the Luana point, um, I did notice um, during the first half when there was a break in play, she did come over to the bench and was hoisting her shorts up and talking about her thigh to the, the doctor. So, And then she came on at halftime with strapping on that thigh and was obviously testing it out to see where it was. So it was obviously something that happened during the first half. The fact that they were testing it out at halftime hopefully means it isn't too serious and she will be available again soon and it was just a cautionary sort of resting it and, and things but I guess we'll find out ahead of the, the game this weekend but and then hopefully you know as we've seen so far this season we haven't seen too much of that um kind of lack of um cohesion in the defense so hopefully she'll be back and it'll be fine yeah hoping so too and I guess just worth picking up on what Caroline you said earlier around the issues with both of our sort of wing players tracking back and how well that is happening or not happening. And both of them are quite young and neither of them are yet the best defensively. And, you know, hopefully that's something that is going to improve. Okay, so after the goal, or actually just before it, but then kind of going on to the rest of the game, Spurs made a few substitutions. First, we saw Jess coming on for Kit. And this time, instead of Grace moving to the number 10 position, we saw Martha playing as a kind of deep-lying nine with Jess up next to her. And she was often then the furthest forward. So what did you think about that? Like, why do you think that he did that? And did it work? I'm not sure it worked in this specific game. But at the same time, I understand the rationale for it. So I, I just think... This was possibly hoping to take advantage of kind of Martha's better hold-up play coupled with Jess's pace and kind of trying to get some balls in behind the Liverpool defense. But I think at that point in the game, they were not really affording us as much of that space, um, you know, because they they at least had gotten to a point where they were getting a, a point out of this match and they were not being quite as risky. So I'm not sure it was effective. And I'm still not sure it's what I would like to see, you know, all the time. But it was intriguing, at least. I mean, yeah, you've got to try different things, haven't you, and see what works. And the best time to try it is in games. But, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure it was a hugely effective in this game. You know, I think we let, look less likely to score than we had done. So an interesting experiment, but not one we're perhaps ready for. That's interesting. I'm not sure that we look less likely. I thought that Jess had a few chances and we'll talk about it in a minute when Ellie Brazil came on, there was a couple more chances there. And I kind of was thinking, as you were saying, Caroline, that maybe having Martha there slightly shored up that sort of area. And a lot of the battles were happening in that midfield area. But who knows? As I just hinted, though, later in the game, we saw Ellie Brazil come on. She was making her first appearance for over a year after coming back from her ACL. With her first touch, I think she nearly scored, but didn't quite get it right. More generally, though, how happy were you to see her? Everybody in the club was sending tweets and Instagram posts and whatever, like just being really excited about her. What did you think both 
emotionally, but also what she was doing on the pitch after she came on. It was really nice to see because I think like a lot of the players we've seen come back have not really been like new players to the club. Like we've barely seen her on the pitch. And so kind of the response to it really made me feel like good things were going on behind the scenes. Like she's obviously like, it seems like everyone loves her and is like so proud of her. So that was really nice to see. I also, maybe this is just like, I'm letting last season's negative results impact my memory of how she played but I felt like I saw more from her today than I did at any point she played last year and maybe that's just because like we're playing with a different style now but like she was on the ball she she had a really nice pass to Jess at one point she was like doing stuff and you never know what's going to happen when a player comes back from like what is it her like third knee surgery second ACL third surgery like you never know where they're going to be at and you never know what's going to happen. But it seemed like a pretty good starting point to me. And like, I, it enough for me to continue to keep an open mind. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? When the, the previous two players who came back were, you know, well known and loved by Spurs fans. And we'd kind of gone on that journey with them because we knew how great they were. And we were sad not to see them with Ellie. It was more of a case of, you know, her first starts for the club. She got herself injured, so it really is feeling more of a new player coming in. But as as others have said, just the, the way that the other players kind of rallied around her, uh, both on the pitch and on social media, demonstrates how important she is in the club setup as it is, and that behind the scenes she's clearly a popular and important figure. So that that bodes well. And as you said, you know, some early signs of of things that she can do. And obviously, first game back, she's not going to be as on it as she might be. So hoping she gets some more minutes and shows us some more of that good stuff. Yeah, I really loved her post-game interview. Like, I feel like that just really went to show what her mentality is. And like you alluded to, Abby, for her to have had so many, like, major surgeries already in her young career and to still have this very just overwhelmingly positive attitude, I think really speaks to her character. So, yeah, like you said, I'm keeping an open mind and I think, I can't remember which interview it was where Robert said this, but he basically said that she has a decent shot of working her way into a starting spot. And I was kind of surprised to hear that because like personally, like I don't think we've seen enough to really, you know, know one way or another if that's true, but it's, it says a lot because we've got some really great forwards in the squad. So that, that seems like high praise. High praise indeed. And hopefully we'll get to see it come to fruition. So very excited about that. We did see, as I said earlier, a very late 90th minute cameo for Azzy after Olga's injury. The main thing here that was notable was her moving into the centre midfield with Paz remaining at right back. But with so few minutes left, it was probably just to avoid additional disruption. And there wasn't actually another defensive midfielder on the bench because Rhea was not in the squad, which hopefully wasn't anything to do with any injuries or knocks we haven't heard anything and she was seen in training in videos this week so assuming she's fine one thing of note was that Serena Wiegmann was at Brisbane Road for the first time at least that I'm aware of she might have previously watched Spurs when we played elsewhere I have a feeling maybe away at Manchester United so it was a bit of an occasion and obviously Grace was in the last Lionessa squad although she didn't get any minutes in their games Do you think that's why she was there or was there anyone else she was watching? And irrespective of that, who do you think might have caught her eye? You can talk about Liverpool players as well, but obviously I care more about Spurs players. I mean, I think the the old drum that we've been banging for a long time is Ash Neville. And 
we hope she was there to look at Ash and I'm, I've kind of lost hope, I think, and I think Ash has lost hope as well, that she's going to get an England call-up. But when Serena Vigman's there, you've got to feel a little bit of hope and Ash did have a good game and looking at the stats for that game, she put in an impressive performance. So hopefully, and then of course, Molly as well. I hope that she was looking at Molly because apart from anything else, it'd be a really nice thing for Molly after all the trouble she had and the, the you know, the, the things that life threw at her after her youth time with England to be able to play for England as a senior and and not have those kind of struggles I think would be really nice for her and and I think from her performances she deserves um, a shot as Ash does if if the two of them aren't worth a a training camp I don't know who is. Yeah I mean just to continue to be relentlessly optimistic when nothing in the world calls for it if you asked me to imagine how Ash Neville would play a game if she knew that Serena Wiegman was there to watch her. That's about as close to how she would play as you can get. Like she had a great game defensively and an attack. And she was just like classic, like Ash is everywhere. Like the only thing that could have gone better is if she had like managed to get the ball in the back of the net. But I don't know. I just like, I have a feeling. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Ash was, player of the match for me and I think she's been one of our most consistent players this season for sure so she deserves to get a look in if nothing else but Serena also could have been there to scout Martha Thomas for the upcoming Olympics you know with team Great Britain I guess I think qualification is still up in the air for y'all but obviously Martha would be a good candidate um, especially if you know Beth England is is not quite back for some weird reason by that time so Yeah, that's interesting because, of course, she's actually going to play against Martha soon. So she could have been scouting Martha as a Scotland player in terms of the upcoming game against her. I did think it was interesting. I was thinking about this, that in terms of both Grace and Ash's performances, and my guess is Ash probably thinks that her chance is gone. And is I felt like she was playing with more freedom than she might have done if she thought she had a chance. So I kind of thought it was the opposite of what you're saying, Abby. I thought it was like Ash playing as if she no longer thought Serena was looking at her and playing a kind of very Ash game. Whereas it felt a bit like Grace was playing as if she knew Serena was looking at her and not having her best game. And so I was just wondering about whether what the those dynamics are around the kind of different pressures that you have on you. And I I absolutely just want to kind of chime in that I think Ash has been, you know, she hasn't necessarily been always the player of the match, but she has been so consistent so far this season. She, if you look at some of the sort of standings for WSL top players, she is like in the top five. She's of so many of the different rating systems. The only thing I would say in terms of her England chances is the player who is number one is playing at left back at the moment for Chelsea. So we're in a point where like Neve Charles is just having this insanely good season. And on the other side, you have Lucy Bronze, who maybe she's loosening her grip on right back, but it hasn't been loosened yet. And so she's got this horrendous competition. On the other hand, the backups are having less good seasons. We're reinstigating the Ash for England hashtag then and uh, <laughs> doubling down on that one. Uh, and, uh, if nothing else, it would make us all much more interested in watching a Lionesses game, I think. Yeah, indeed. And obviously, I'm excited for Grace to have some minutes. I would love to see Jess getting her call up to the senior squad. Also had a decent-ish game, but it wasn't not the sort of game where she was going to get called up from, I don't think. But yeah. Look, you all know that I'm not the world's biggest fan of the lionesses and I 
I gritted my teeth and was happy for Beth England. I was really happy for her, but I like gritted my teeth and was like feeling some positive feelings during the games that she got minutes in the few. If Ash actually got minutes for England, I would lose my entire mind. I would, I don't know, they might have to make me leave the country. (laughs) Anyway. It's all right. We'll take you. You can come. It's fine. <laughs> Lovely to have you. It's not a great place to be, except for the football. But hey, come. Um, That's a I'm good on- enough reason, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I mean, and and with you all as well. I guess we mentioned Molly in less detail. This probably, you know, she had a good game. It wasn't her standout game, but she is just again just super consistent. And hopefully, that message is getting through to Serena. But who knows. So let's look to the future. And next week, we are going away to Leicester. Last year, we did the double over them, but both games were actually really tight, wins by one goal margins. This year, Leicester have initially started strongly, and they're playing a very attacking style of football under Willie Kirk. It's worked in some games. Most notably, they drew with Man United, and they were really impressive against Manchester City, but then went on to lose by one. And then last week they played Arsenal and it was all looking rosy. They were two goals up in the first half before utterly collapsing in the second half to concede six. It's possible that might have knocked their confidence. But on the other hand, what it showed is they are going to stick to their style of play. So what do you think? How are you feeling about Sunday's game? Actually fine. I was like kind of nervous about it like for a long time. And then like while we were recording just now, I like I had a look at their like expected goal difference. I did not realize how lucky they'd gotten defensively. They're the bottom of the league in expected goals against. And like, we haven't had quite enough games for, for me to believe that versus their actual goals conceded, but, but it's getting there. And I, I don't know. I think I hadn't watched that many of their games. And I like, I was telling myself a story about them that was maybe not fully true. So I don't know. I'm not like feeling great about it. Like, I don't think we're going to like wipe the floor with them or anything. And I think they have a lot of the tools, the right tools to hurt us. And like, we're solving problems, et cetera, et cetera. But like, they definitely have a soft underbelly. Yeah. I think I back our defense versus theirs for sure. And, you know, Yanina Leitzig has not looked quite as superhuman as she did last season. She's, you know, come back down to normal, regular human levels of goalkeeping. So that's reassuring. And it seems like Deanne Rose hasn't quite gotten to the hot start that people were expecting. So I don't know. I just feel like this is a game that we definitely can and should win. And I feel bad because I have no no beef with Leicester as a club. Like, I think their women's team is very, you know, respectable. But yes, I think I think we're going to take this one. I mean, I think part of it depends on Luana Bula and whether she's back. Um, obviously, if she's out for the game, then that makes it more tricky for us. But the, the last week's game does worry me a little bit. I mean, we've got to be able to weather a storm, clearly. Between the last couple of games, have we've really found it difficult to score. The games before that, obviously, the away games, we've done well. So this is an away game. So hopefully we'll be back to those kind of levels of making sure we put the game past the opposition um, and not having to be quite so nervy at the end. Leicester are a good side and I think they've surprised everybody this season who thought they were going to be another team to struggle but they're still they're still on a transition as well from where they were last season so I think it's going to be a really interesting game and I'm hopeful that we'll get all three points. Yeah it has been a transition hasn't it in those first games we were scoring from relatively few chances and these last games we're having more chances but not scoring from them so it's different problems that we are creating and having to solve 
So I thinking about that attacking lineup, we've got Drew potentially out for at least another week. And if that is the case, who would you start at number 10? Are you going with Kit again? Grace with Jess on the left, Martha and Jess in a front four rather than at number 10 or something else? Give chance to Linyan or Ellie or Roz or anyone else. I mean, well, I think there's a couple of good options there. We, we know Jess out on the wing is, it, it, you know, if we bring Grace into the middle and put Jess out on the wing, that unleashes Ash in a way that she's maybe not unleashed otherwise. Uh, but then Kit had a good game as well. And actually, I'd like to see her getting more minutes because I think with more minutes, some of the things, some of the areas where she was maybe a bit weaker will just come back to her more naturally and, she, you know, a bit more fight in there and a, and just a little bit better on some of her touches. But I can see uh, good reasoning for those kind of situations. And I guess just have to go with uh, in Robert we trust. I think I would slightly prefer to see Grace, you know, starting in place of Drew and, and Jess getting the start out on the wing for two reasons. One, I, I just would like to see Jess get another start. And two, I think having Grace out on the wing could be a bit of a defensive liability, especially against the really pacey Lester forwards. So that that would kind of concern me. And it has nothing to do with, you know, Kit, because I thought she had a, a good game. And obviously I want to see her get more game time. But I think for this specific one, maybe have, have Grace starting in the middle instead. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of finding myself like I wish that I had watched somehow like every single Leicester game so I could understand more about like exactly how they play and like how they score their goals because without that I'm like oh, yeah, I don't know I don't really want to hang my hat on any of these at the moment I mean they've had some pretty fast transitions so I think what Caroline was alluding to does make some sense they're definitely speedy on the wings I think the one thing I'm wondering, maybe one of you can answer this, is like, so I know we try to possess the ball. It looks to me from their possession numbers that Lester also try to possess the ball. I feel that if we are both trying to possess the ball, that Spurs will possess the ball better than Lester will possess the ball. That means Lester will be forced to switch to hitting on the counter, playing in transition, and with them being pacey, it sounds like that might be a thing that would hurt us. But also, like they, like I just don't know if that's how they've scored their goals or like how they've created their like, like the limited chances they've like they actually haven't even created that many chances. Like they've just scored a bunch of them, and so it's like it's like that's the one thing that I'm like I don't know. I haven't seen the games, but like question mark. I think question mark is a good place to end this particular part. Let's get to the meaty bits and give us some score predictions. And you're not allowed any question marks here. I want certainty. Where do you fall on this? I'm going to go with 3-1 to Spurs. Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking as well. I'm not sure we've got the uh, staying power for a clean sheet, but I'm hoping we'll go back to our away form and get three goals. Yeah, I was thinking like 3-2, something like that we win yeah I was thinking really I was first of all I was thinking 3-1 I was like oh well I can say 3-2 to be different now you've said 3-2 Abby I'm gonna have to say 4-2 but then I'm like that's the same with Aston Villa are we gonna replicate it's too confusing uh 4-2 anyway let's just go with that one for now because I do can see us conceding a couple potentially okay let's kind of move beyond the WSL and let's look elsewhere because there was an exciting NWSL playoff final that had a bit of Spurs interest with our ex-co-manager Juan Carlos Amaros managing the victors, Gotham FC. 
Abby and Caroline, I am guessing that you watched more of the game than we did. Is there anything you want to say about it? I mean, how much time do I have? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm kidding. It, Three it sentences was a lot. max. <laughs> it was it was a very emotional watch. Um, obviously, starting off the game with Megan Rapino getting a non-contact Achilles injury in like what the third minute. Uh, that was utterly crushing. I cried a little bit, and I think after that point. Sadly, Oil Rain just did not have the heart to to win that game, even though I think Rose Lavelle, you know, really showed exactly why we've been missing her for a lot of the recent, you know, U.S. games. But Midge Purse was incredible, Lynn Williams, and I just think Juan Carlos has done a really good job with this team. It's It's a total transformation from, you know, where they were at last season. But it's also not surprising to me because he did such a good job in his interim role with Houston Dash. So I think he's just just a good coach and he really earned that coach of the year award. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, many of you may recall that I'm sort of like a casual, occasional Gotham fan. Um, so obviously, like I had to pretend like I was a full time fan for the final. Um, it was it what it like, yeah, it was really sad losing Megan like that her last game ever like you literally couldn't write that. But yeah, no, the rest of it, it was a it was a roller coaster of a final. Like I think sometimes championship finals get this reputation as like slow, boring names. <laughs> and it was not that. I think like, yeah, as Caroline said, Roosevelt and Mitch Purse, like absolutely lit everything on fire. Mitch Purse was so good. Like, if you haven't, you should go watch the highlights of this. And it she was incredible. She really like turned up for the occasion. Yeah. And it was great to see good things happening for Juan Carlos as well. I also saw bad things happening for him as he tried to karaoke um, and part of the celebrations. I don't know if the rest of you have seen that yet. If not, I'll have to send it around, but it was, it was really good. And yeah, I just, uh, I dug up some tech from that I sent to frenemy of the pod, Emily, who, who is a big Gotham fan also an Arsenal fan, but we don't talk about that. When they hired Juan Carlos Ambrose, I was like, you're going to fall in love with him. Like he's going to, you're going to love him so much. Like, I'm so excited for you. Like, I can't wait for this. And at the beginning, I think Gotham fans, like, you know, they saw their last place finish and they were like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I just want to say on the record, I told you so. That's all. Always good to have that moment of smug. And I'm glad that we're here to record it for you. One exciting thing in an exciting game was that in the final few minutes after Gotham's keeper got sent off with no more subs left, a midfielder had to go in goal. That made me think, should that happen to us? Should Becky get sent off and we had no more subs left? What outfield player would be your pick to go in goal? So I want the player and I want your logic. Well, first of all, I have to just say, I was like on my feet, like pacing around the living room the entire time that was happening. Just like standing directly in front of the television with my head in my hands being like, oh my God. But my answer has to be Roz. Like she already has had her hand of Roz moment. We don't need her on the field. Presumably if we've used all our subs, like she would have been subbed on because she's usually like the fifth sub or something. Well, not usually, but like when she gets on the field, that is how I think that she is good in clutch moments, as we saw from her Morocco penalty scoring adventures. I think if we had a free kick or even a penalty, we'd stick her in goal. She'd do something weird. She'd somehow end up saving it. 
and she'd be a club legend. Okay, let's see if I can stop laughing long enough to get my answer out. That actually was a really good answer, though. It really was. It just took me aback because <laughs> that is not who I would have thought of. I think out of players who are likely to still be on the pitch, I would have to go with Molly Bartrip just because I think she's our most tenacious player. Like she would she would just find a way to keep anything out. I would have full faith in her. I'm going to go with Ash Neville because we know that she can leap like a salmon um, and throw herself around the place with willing so uh, and she just you know wears her heart on her sleeve and she would give it a real good go so that's where I'm going see I was thinking that I wouldn't want to disrupt any of the back line at that point because you need a solid back line in front of your substitute goalkeeper so I was thinking Martha Thomas because also she spends a lot of time really close to the goalkeeper she's very good at predicting where the goalkeeper moves because we've seen her many times being in the right position to steal the ball of them. So I think Martha would be exceptional in goal and I am there for it. I will just to be realistic for a moment, maybe you guys already know this, but many strikers do actually practice in training to go in goal because like, yeah, you don't want to, if you, if you ever do have to do it, like it's usually not the last play of the game like that was in the NWSL final and like, Usually you then have to continue playing. And if you had to continue playing, you probably don't want any of your defenders going in goal for aforementioned reasons. And so, yeah, for that reason, like a lot of strikers do actually train that. But yeah, my other idea was Ellie Brazil, just because she is so tall. I just wasn't sure, like, will she always be on the pitch in this scenario? That's the only thing. Yeah. I mean, we can have an imaginary set of subs. Who knows how many players are already injured by that point and who's getting substituted for whom? Uh, you know, it's the whole thing's hopefully never going to happen, It's except in our imagination. So they can include any players we like. I mean, if you want to put Lin Yan Zhang in, I'm not thinking that's a best choice. <laughs> oh, well, I, I mean, think I could... the funniest thing about the Gotham incident is that it happened to them twice this year with the same player, Neely Martin, going in goal. It was real, a real, like, like, if I had a nickel for every time, blah, blah, blah. Like, but the fact that it happened twice, and there are some players, aren't there, who are kind of who have done this quite a few times in their in their experience as an outfield player who've saved goals, all of those things. So, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want it to happen, but should it happen and it would be fun, I guess, in a nail biting way. I, I can speak from experience because this happened to the men's team I support locally. It is not fun to watch this happen. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> Okay, I take it back. It would be it would be fun in retrospect, is I think what I mean, because it's the sort of thing you want to have experienced, you don't want to live through. Um Okay. On that note, I think that we are done for this week. It's been a pleasure to talk about Tottenham Hotspur women, as always. We will be back next week to talk about how Spurs did on Sunday and which of us got our prediction right. You can find us on X or Twitter or whatever you call it or by email. And if you are on an app that accepts reviews, please review the show. If you've stuck around to the end of the episode, I'm guessing you like it. And uh, goodbye, everybody. And come on, you Spurs. Mm -hmm.